0: Well, good morning. good morning. If I haven't met you all yet, my name is Ron Dozier, the campus pastor here, and I'm just delighted to be able to uh, journey with you through this uh, book of James. Uh, James is a, a general epistle. It's written to, as we're going to read, uh, those Jews who believed in Jesus who were scattered abroad because of persecution. James had a word for, for them. Like I said, it is a, a general uh, epistle and uh, James is one of the 66 books that you can find in, in God's word and there's something unique about this. It's not a book, it's a library and it's part of the 27 New Testament books that make up that library. But like, unlike any other library in the world, We believe that this library is God-breathed, it's inspired, it's eternal, and it's true. So as a church community, we lift it up. And you may say, those of you tuning in, that seems a little odd, that seems a little strange if it's the first time you see us doing this. But here in leadership, we recognize this uh, moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community. Uh, We don't worship the word, but we do worship the God of the word. And here's our way to actively illustrate how we come under the authority of the word, amen. And my prayer for us that even when we leave this space, as we go out there, that that same word we'll realize is still over our heads. Somebody ought to say amen. And we're still illustrating that we're living under the authority of the word of God and before I say anything else I wanna have a word of prayer and as I pray I ask that you would pray for me. I wanna thank the prayer team. Prayer team has been praying for us as a church, has been praying for you, has been praying for me that all that the Lord wants to accomplish through this series, that it would come to pass, amen? Well let us pray, so God thank you for your word and thank you that your word represents not just words, but points to the work that you have done and the work that you desire to do in us and through us and with us and around us. So even now, Lord, I surrender. I pray that the real preacher, the Holy Spirit that he would speak to our hearts. We thank you for what you're able to do, exceedingly and abundantly, above everything that we could ask or imagine, according to your power that's at work within us. Fill us, Lord. Thank you for your anointing. And I pray, Lord, that I might decrease, but most of all, God, you increase allow me to preach with strength demonstration of your spirit and power for our faith doesn't rest in the wisdom of men but in the power that only comes from you O god so have your way we pray in jesus name that all who agree say together amen and amen i just i'm so excited i don't know if you can tell yet but i'm excited about the book of James. I'm excited because as I spent time uh, reading it afresh and going over it, you can't help but to read James and know that you get this strong sense of community and brotherhood. It's like what oozed out of a uh, Pastor Chris, who was just speaking here today, just you you get that strong sense of family and you'll see a constant refrain if you read and go through the book of James and I pray that you'll do that. You'll get this strong sense of family and brotherhood, how you matter and I matter. You get the sense when you read James that not only are you sitting with James, but you're, you're sitting with Jesus. Because a lot of what James says, he echoes what Jesus said in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. And you see James, when he introduces a letter, we're gonna to get to it, we're gonna read it in a second. He just simply says, this is James. And the reason why he could do that is because everybody was familiar with him. I was thinking of a way to illustrate that and I said, oh, we can do it this way. Do you know that there's only one person in the world that I know that has the name of Talbot? Wouldn't you agree? You may know another Talbot. I don't know any other Talbots in the world. So if I said this letter came from Talbot, I wouldn't have to qualify. If you say Ron or another name like that, I might have to give you more detail. But James was so familiar. He had such authority in the early church. So when you say his name, see, James was the leader of the Jerusalem church. James was also a very respected leader. As other leaders uh, during that time, like the Apostle Paul, considered James a pillar of the early church. And as I said, James, he was one who God gave authority. But as you read his letter, he modeled what Jesus modeled, that although he had authority, you saw this sense of humility just oozed oozed out of him. You see, he was the half-brother of Jesus, but the firstborn of the seed of Mary and Joseph together because they did have other children, but Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. As I said before, James wrote a word of encouragement to his brothers and sisters those Jews who believed in Jesus who were scattered abroad because of the persecution that they were experiencing. Now, let me tell you, James wasn't big on them. Warn you up front. James wasn't big on suggestions. Mm-mm. There are many imperatives in this letter. Out of the 108 verses, uh, one out of every two, 54 are imperatives. Uh, no other New Testament book contains such a concentration of commands now one commentator noted that James has more of a Jewish cast than many of the writings of the New Testament there are many references as you read it because I know you're gonna read through it we're gonna start today you're gonna be reading through James amen and it has more references to nature in James which was characteristics of Jewish rabbis during that day and the teaching of Jesus The letter has many allusions to the Sermon on the Mount. As I said before, you can sit with James and you're just like, ah, I heard that before from from Jesus. You could tell that James, he just loved the book of Proverbs. He loved to echo the wisdom from the word and illustrate its truth through examples of people that his listeners would be familiar with because he understood that it was more than just words, but words illustrated through action. So we can point people to God's word and his work that brings wisdom and hope during tough times. Do you know of anybody going through tough times? Every hand ought to be raised in the whole building. Perhaps you are. Sometimes when life is hard, we can lose sight of the goodness of God. That goodness is expressed through some precious gifts that God has given to us. That's why I'm so excited about this journey that we're going to be on through James. Because we're going to discover some wonderful things that God has in store for us that he has given to us. Now, Dr. Bill Bright, he's the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, otherwise known as CRU today, CRU. He tells of a man named Mr. Yates, who owned a ranch during the Depression. Mr. Yates couldn't make enough money through his ranching operation to pay for the principal and interest on his mortgage. So Mr. Yates was in danger of losing his ranch. That is until one day, a seismographic crew from an oil company came through into the area and told them that, you know, Mr. Yates, you might have oil on your land. They asked, and he allowed them to drill a wildcat well. Well, after they dug down 1,000 feet, they struck oil, and over 80,000 barrels a day poured out. The subsequent days, they got double that amount. Here's the interesting thing. He was living in scarcity when the whole time he had treasure right there on his property. He just didn't realize what he had. That is why I love the book of James, for he takes us on a treasure hunt. This comes from someone who was the half-brother of Jesus. That up until Jesus appeared to him, you can read about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 7. He didn't realize what he had. But once James discovered what he had, he wanted to make sure that what he had is what those that were scattered because of persecution have, And by virtue of us leaning in and listening and discovering what they have, will discover what we have in order to face some tough times. So turn with me to James chapter 1. I'll be reading the first six verses as we go on a treasure hunt. Anybody like going on a treasure hunt? I know I do. Amen. (laughs) He says, James, I told you to introduce who he was. He said, A servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's he had authority, but that's that's his humility. He, He was a bond servant of God and of Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nation's greeting. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, if you lack wisdom, you should ask who? Ask God, who gives generously and without finding fault. He won't shame you for coming to ask him, what's going on? And it will be given to you But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. James points out that these trials represent something that's being tested. He said they represent the testing of our faith. He points out this hidden treasure called faith. I told you we were going to find some hidden treasure. The first one is faith. Here's the interesting thing about faith. Jesus said, he said, you only need faith the size of a mustard seed. It's really small. In order to move a mountain. Because really, if it's not really the size of our faith, it's the size of our God who has the ability to to move mountains. But see, faith translates, I told you it's not just words, but faith translates into action. Uh, Faith has feet. It, It moves forward towards the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that you can't even see, as in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six says, that without faith, it's absolutely impossible to please God. A New Testament, um, Greek scholar Rick Renner says that word without in that passage in Hebrews 11:6, 6. That word without means outside of. It depicts faith as occupying this space. He says outside of faith, that space, it's absolutely impossible to please God. For those that come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Let me tell you something good about the faith that we have. Our faith is designed to respond to God. God is calling forth the faith that he has placed inside of us to respond to what he's already done. James tells us later later in the letter that faith that doesn't respond to God is useless. What's the point? He says faith without works is, is dead because let me tell you what dead men can't do. They can't respond because they're dead. He says someone who has faith but doesn't respond to God, it's absolutely useless. Because our faith was designed to respond to God. You may ask, and we read it in verses five and six, well, I don't know how to respond. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask who? Ask God. He gives it generously, but even when we ask, Don't ask outside of that space called faith. We gotta ask in faith. And the God who is generous, don't miss that. He supplies it and he won't shame you for coming to ask about it. Now make no mistake about it, faith has an enemy and we're gonna talk about that next week. But the way that James lays it out is absolutely brilliant. He, he begins with the end in mind. So that exercise in faith, the only way you can do it is by doing what James says. It's like standing in a pool of water and you're asking your child to jump in. Anybody ever did that? You stand in the pool, ask your child to jump in? And I've been the child that somebody asked to jump in. And sometimes we... We, we only look at the water and miss that our parent is standing there beckoning us to jump into the water, but to jump into their arms. James is saying, you're only looking at the water. There's more to consider. So if we look back at verse 2, he says... Consider it pure joy, or all joy, some translations. My brothers and sisters, whenever, somebody say whenever. You face trials of many kinds. He says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter trials of various kinds. He says to count it or consider it. That word means to examine closely. You're not seeing all there is to see when you're facing the trial. Typically, our reaction in our humanity is to only see the three C's. You say, well, what are the three C's? We see our comfort, we see our convenience, and we see our ability to control the very thing that is is going on. We respond in our flesh and our humanity to comfort. So, Lord, this is uncomfortable. You gotta make it go away. Lord, this is inconvenient. Why this? Why right now? Lord, I, I can't control what's going on. It's going on too long. So we're only focusing on the difficulty but check this out that's exactly what difficulty can do an unexpected job loss an unwelcome diagnosis a relationship that has turned to rejection a pandemic that lasts for over two years is there a witness in the building See, difficulty will cause us to falsely conclude. Don't miss this. That God has abandoned us. That the circumstances, we draw into the circumstances thinking that God went somewhere. Instead of moving forward and walking by faith, Because our faith is designed to respond to God, guess what, at all times. But we allow the difficulty to keep us from responding to him. It's like I try to walk our little shih tzu, Kato. And when we get to certain places and Kato don't wanna go nowhere, that's exactly what he do. I don't know if you could tell by the picture, but he locks up, them legs lock up. He's like, I ain't going nowhere. And one day he did that and the Lord dropped in my spirit. That's exactly what you do to me, Ron. When things get difficult, your faith can get dormant. I'm motioning you forward and deeper, but you're locking up. And your faith was designed to keep going through the difficulty. James is is not discounting or underestimating the reality of the trial. He was experiencing the same poverty and persecution as everybody else. It was more severe in some instances for him as a leader. James is saying when you encounter a trial, don't forget the one who is with you. God reminded me of this recently when our daughter got this huge disappointment. She's getting ready to graduate from Furman, so praise God, she's gonna graduate in May? But she applied to some schools for graduate school and the one she really wanted to go to uh, denied her. So here she is, she called me and she's in tears. And while she's bawling on the phone, all of this sorrow what began to well up in my heart. I begin to think about Well, Cassidy, sometimes God's knows are so that it can position us for his yeses. You know, me being a good parent, and I am. (laughs) And the Lord was saying, ah, slow down, cowboy. There's something that Cassidy needs to discover. Right in the difficulty. She's crying right now. She's hurting right now. I'm gonna get her to the place where she sees my yes because I closed this door. Right now, she needs to know that I'm the God that's willing to sit with her right there in her sorrow. She needs to know that I'm the God who's gonna be right there to wipe every tear from her eye. She needs to know that in the middle of that difficulty, I haven't abandoned her, but I'm right there ever so close, just like I was before. He said, Ron, do you realize that when people face trials, they need to understand that I haven't gone anywhere. I'm the God who's with you. I'm with you through the fire. I'm with you through the storm. I'm with you through all of the difficulty. Then all of a sudden, he began to flood my mind with all the people, particularly people from the prayer team, that are waiting on the Lord to remove things that are uncomfortable, that are dealing with pain and and sorrow and dealing with all these things, but yet that's not the total story when you talk to them. They'll tell you that when, when, right in the middle of the difficulty, they begin to speak of the God who's with them, Is there a witness in the building that can give a testimony of the God who's with you? When the diagnosis came back and it wasn't what you wanted, and you're speaking of the God who didn't go anywhere, who stood there right with you when you got the results that broke or troubled your heart. He's the God who is with us. And do you know that going through all of this difficulty It's like he's saying, Ron, I need you to tell them that I haven't gone anywhere. You can go through two years of the pandemic, but don't go through it only talking about how I feel distanced. Talk about the God who was with them. The God who when one door closed, I stood right with you when you cried. I wiped every tear from your eye. He says, when you go through, make sure you understand that I'm the God who's with you. And by faith, you lean into the God who's with you. He provides, he said, count it all joy. That's a fruit of the Spirit. By faith, we lean into what God has provided. And despite the difficulty, By faith we understand that God is right there willing to be as resourceful as he is. Tell me what God can provide for you, not just in good times, what can he provide for you when things are tough? He'll do it. He says, Ron, when you face the trial, I am with you and he'll be with you too. Our faith gets taller through the testing because when he's with us, he he strengthens us. James says, through the trial, we can gain insight into the character and capability of God. He knows when facing trials, we have questions. And even as the questions swirl in our mind, he says, James says, no, even while you have the question, let me tell you what you can know. There's something that you can know. Take a look at verse 3. It says, I think we ought to read this one together, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He says, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. See, faith decides. We know that this difficulty has a design. Faith allows us to respond to what God is doing. Allows us to experience God despite the circumstances. We may not have all the answers, but we've determined that, guess what? God's going to get the glory out of this story. Your faith allows you to buckle down and say, in the end, God is going to be glorified. Whether I live or whether I die, God gets the glory. Somebody ought to say amen. Whether I go right or whether I go left, God is going to get the glory. The faith begins to sit down and settle into the activity of God. I told you, faith responds to what God is doing right in the middle of what you're going through. My wife, Sonia, a couple years back, she lost her job with CMS, unfairly, as a matter of fact. I ain't even going to go into the details because I I feel anger welling up on me. Amen. (laughs) It caused her to even think about leaving education. Now she's in new school in Rock Hill, Leslie Elementary and she's doing amazing things for the Lord. Back to doing what she was doing. But there was a season where she doubted. Where she woke up in the morning just crying and because you know like honey it's going to get better it's going to get better and But through it, she grew closer to the Lord. Through it, her faith got stronger. Through it, she was able to see some things in her relationship with God that she never saw before. Right through all of the difficulty, the testing of our faith produces something that it says right there in the passage. It's this thing called perseverance. It's the ability to Persevere or endure, which is a rich word. Many believers in the early centuries had a favorite character trait, which they called the queen of all virtues. It was the ability to endure. Do you know that God has given us through faith as we hold on to him that we're built better than fort tough? It means to abide under. It depicts a person who knows they're in the right place or space. Hence, regardless of the pressure, assaults, and restraints that are forced upon them, by faith they have decided not to bend, bow, or break. By faith, listen, we settle down into the activity of God. We know God is developing us in it and through it. The ability to withstand pressure is proof of possession You begin to say, oh, I can make it and I can take it because God has given me the strength to do just that. That's our response. But we also have a responsibility. He said we must exercise faith in God by doing verse four. Let me read that for you. He said, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We have the responsibility to allow allow God to control us in the trial. See, we go from this is too long, this is too hard, why this, why now, our inability to control it, to being under the control of the Holy Spirit. See, that test will turn into a testimony what I, what I thought that I couldn't handle is handled by the Lord. And I begin to release myself from trying to control the very thing that God is guiding me in and through and demonstrating his ability to do. Somewhere along the line, we, we give up control. Not because we're fatalists or nothing like that, but we, I said we settle down into what God is doing. And we turn over the control to the Lord. And by faith, he guides us through. See, we settle down into his sovereignty because our God reigns. And we get to a point where we stop trying to tell God what to do. I know that's hard. And we listen, we we settle down because we understand that ultimately, even better than us, God knows what to do better than we do. Is there one amen in the building? See, that's the beauty of what James was saying. He says, you can count it all joy. When? Because he's, he's with you. Which brings me to what I wanted to share with you all along. See, by faith, we gain insight in the character of God, which provides foresight for face in any trial. See, through the trial, we, we grow closer. He's not running from us, he's running to us. He never went anywhere. He's holding us close, he's teaching us something about him. In the middle of the trial, something that we're gonna be able to declare to somebody else. We discover that we don't just have to go through trials, we determine that we're gonna grow through the trial. As we grow, we move from doubting God to declare Him. It may have started off with doubting God, what are you doing? But then in the middle of it, because he hasn't gone anywhere, because he's ministering to us, because he's teaching us, we began to declare the good things that God is doing in the middle of everything that was happening. That's exactly what James is doing. Anybody here have anything to declare about the goodness of God through a two-year pandemic? Is there anything that you can say, you can declare about what God has done with you and for you in the middle of all that that's going on? Where the, the control that we thought we had and we said it's too long, we begin to be under the control of God and say, God, even during a pandemic, your kingdom is advancing. You're getting the glory. I can still respond to you Whether I'm in person or whether I'm online, I'm not going to limit God. Do you think I'm going to limit your ability, God, just because of something that my limitations say when I know that you'll show up and you'll provide everything that we need? He's the God who demonstrates what he can do no matter what we're going through. By faith we understand that even in uncertainty there's clarity because our faith latches hold of our God who's reigning. See James wrote at a time when the church was growing while the Jerusalem church that he pastored was declining. The Jerusalem church lost its ability to control all the people, they needed to shift From a centralized to a decentralized approach for growth's sake, church as they knew it, centering around, just around the synagogues, it was changing. Leadership was localized through leaders with letters, giving them guidance, is what James was doing. Uncertainty got swallowed up by trust in the Lord, who's trustworthy. By faith, we move through the doorway that God has set before us. By faith we respond to the work of God. Faith causes us to follow. We follow the the voice of God. Faith moves us forward and God is calling us forward as a church and you as a disciple. He's calling us to grow. So by faith we take a step forward. That's why we provided you that discipleship tool because all of us, were growing together. Step into that. Faith moves you forward. He's calling us to this beautiful marriage movement. Everything starts with a step toward God. Pass your fears, pass your doubts. You settle down into his activity which leads to you releasing and settle down into his sovereignty, we go from trying to tell what God God what to do to being directed into what he is assigning us to do. It sounds like not my will, but thy will be done. By faith, we gain insight into God's character, which provides foresight when facing any trial. So as James would put it, constant refrain in his letter, brothers and sisters, let us move forward even through all the difficulty, responding by faith to the God, to God who's guiding us. Let us pray. God, thank you that no matter what we're experiencing, You haven't gone anywhere. Help us to settle down and by faith move forward into the things that you are calling us to do. Our faith is designed not just to respond to difficulty but respond to you in the middle of the difficulty. Help us to open up our mouths and declare your goodness so those who have questions or are wondering or are doubting or are fearing, they might hear and know and receive the God who rules and reigns over every single situation. Have your way, Lord. That's our prayer. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray, let all who agree say together. Amen and amen.